welcome. My name is David, if I haven't got the chance to meet you, and I have the tremendous privilege of uh, serving this church as, as pastor. So glad to have you guys here this morning for uh, our Back to School Sunday and Bash. That was a promo video for a series uh, that's starting September 8th, as they flashed it up on the screen, uh, that is called Parental Guidance Please, Pretty Please. And the reason uh, we want to do it, because kids are really, really important. The next generation is really important. And we really want to understand what are some biblical principles about how we look and serve and raise the next generation. And let me correct one thing that was on that video. Um, I am no expert on raising kids. Uh, we, I am a fellow practitioner, and, uh, and I am in this with uh, y'all. But re really, yeah, what we're trying to do in that series is, is think about what are some faith-forming ideas, some principles that, that really shape the way that we interact with the next generation. And, and it, it's not just for parents, it's for anybody who cares and loves and wants to serve kids. And, uh, and I think you guys are going to find it really helpful. I also would ask you to think about, is there a person that you know that would really benefit from this series that you n need to invite, that God uh, would put on your heart? And, and my guess is that there is, that there are people who would really benefit from hearing some of what we're going to talk about there. It's also going to be paired with a study that we're doing called Love and Logic, which will give you more information about it later. But, uh, but I, I would ask you guys to, to show up and invite a friend for the low cost of four Sundays, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, this week, we get to continue our series um, called uh, Faith Works. And this is a study we've been doing the last number of weeks on the on the book of James in the Bible, on the letter that, that James, the brother of Jesus, wrote to instruct and guide the early church. And it's really an extremely practical, straightforward letter that really helps us understand how our faith works, how it plays out, how we live by faith every day. And, uh, and last week, we uh, talked about, uh, in James, the beginning of James chapter 3, how faith works on the things that come out of our mouth. Uh, this week is actually in the, ch in the same chapter, a continuation, and James continues on the same thought, coming at it from a different angle. Uh, today's message is titled, Your Mouth Speaks on Behalf of Your Heart. It is going to be James chapter 3, verses 9 through 18. If you brought your Bible, you can turn there now, grab the one in your chairs, find it on your phone. I'd encourage you guys to follow along as I'm working through this passage, verse by verse, idea by idea. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we'll get into it in just a moment. Let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for all these people, for your grace, for your mercy, for this chance to uh, start a new year, to bless and pray over these kids that you've entrusted to us as a church. Lord, to, to open our hearts and our minds again afresh anew today and to ask you to speak. And Lord, as you spoke through your servant James, would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us hearts that would be soft enough to, to have an ability to hear what you're saying? And Lord, uh, may the words of my mouth, the things I share today, and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing, Lord, to you. May it lead to life. And Jesus, we pray these things in your name. You alone are our rock and our redeemer. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, how many of y'all remember the days of President George W. Bush and National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice. Yeah? 
feels it feels like it was a long, long time ago, doesn't it? It wasn't that long. Uh, but I was preparing for the message today, and something that happened that I remember uh, came to mind. Evidently, one night, Condoleezza Rice was out in Washington, D.C., having dinner with a bunch of people who were uh, really big, important people in, in Washington. And uh, she was sharing thoughts and ideas and things that her and President Bush had wor been working on in regards to policy and plans. And she was referencing a conversation that she had had with the president, and she was speaking to it, to these people around her. And she made a point, and she said, she started to say this, as I was telling my husband, and then she stopped herself, right, and, and uh, turned embarrassingly red and moved the conversation in a different direction. Uh, so, so just to be clear, some of you uh, got it. She had accidentally started to refer to George W. Bush as her husband, um, which was so embarrassing for her and I'm sure uber awkward. And the media got a hold of it. That's how I found out about it and had to field day with it because everybody wanted to read into that verbal slip what it meant, right? Uh, and, and what does it mean when we have a verbal slip like that? Well, there is a popular prevailing understanding of such things. You guys are probably familiar with this. We call these uh, a Freudian slip, or a, uh, the technical term evidently is a parapraxis. And when, uh, and when we do them, the idea is that all of us have like conscious and subconscious thoughts that are going on in our mind, things we want, we say, we want, we don't know we want, but all that is working around in us. And what we do in social settings is we kind of know when it's right to repress those things, to kind of hold them down. But every once in a while, when we're not aware of it, uh, it kind of comes out and we slip and we say what we're really thinking. That's the prevailing wisdom. Uh, the media was then suggesting, did Condoleezza Rice want to be George W.'s uh, a wife? Um, let, let, let me suggest my thought is probably no way, right? And that's why uh, like I appreciate and think there may be something to the idea of a Freudian slip. There's actually been a lot of work in psychoanalysis since that says there's a lot more going on here, right? That there, there are just innocent things we can mistakenly say that doesn't have to mean like there's all this kind of deep stuff going on. And, you know, that, that's also been uh, my experience, that we can make these verbal slips for many reasons. Uh, I was thinking about we're going back to school here, these next, uh, we went back last week, you know. How many of you all have, have made the verbal slip where you were in grade school and there was this teacher that you loved and you looked at her and you said, hey, mom, right? Anybody do that? Uh, I remember doing that. I remember being painfully embarrassed. But did I think that I wanted my teacher to be my mom, right? No, Freud thought everything was about your mom, right? And so, like, I, I, just, I just think there is the, that there's more to be thought about there. But, but here's where I want us to think this morning. There is a very important link between the words that come out of our mouths and the things that are going on in our hearts. There's absolutely... Uh, a connection between the things that we say and the things that we are feeling and working through and, and, and what's happening in our hearts. And that is really one of the main ideas behind what James is after for us today as he gets into, the, as, as he gets into this in, his, in our passage. So let's go ahead and read it. 
Uh, James chapter 3, verses 9 through 18. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No, neither can a saltwater spring produce fresh water. Who is wise in understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. All right, so James, in this big thought, he really begins by pointing out to us uh, a contradiction in our words, a contradiction in the way we behave that he says this should not be. Let me read it, verses 9 and 10. With the same tongue, with our same tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who were made by our Lord and Father in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth, he says, come praising and cursing my brothers and sisters, this should not be. And this is just an observation James is making, and one that really, I don't think uh, it needs too much explanation. It's just so clear and evident, right? We know that sometimes we say things that are good, and sometimes we say things that are not so good, and especially in close proximity, we sense that maybe it shouldn't be that way, that we should have good speech coming from our mouths and not like then right after saying something bad about somebody else, right? And, and, and so we, it's easy to affirm these first two verses, but here's the thing that, that I observe. Uh, while we can't affirm what James says, how many of us still find ourselves doing the very thing that he says we ought not to do, right? We've all been there. We've all done this. Like how many of you parents have been uh, giving your kids a tongue lashing, right? I told you to clean your room five times. Quit hitting your brother. Do what I told you to do now. And then the phone rings, and you say, hey, how you doing today? It's good to hear from you, right? Right, right, right in close proximity to one another. How many of you guys, and maybe we didn't realize we were doing it uh, quite, we wouldn't have put it quite like this, but have been passing around some gossip about a specific person and then that person walked in the door and started heading towards us. And we were like, oh, hey, hey, hi, Felicia, right? <laughs> right? Um, James actually gets a little bit more specific here. He talks about the good and the not so good in very specific terms. And he says it's, it's praising our Lord and Father, that's the good thing that we do, and cursing human beings, that's, that's the not good thing that we're doing. Those are the things that are juxtaposed, that are in contradiction. And, and when I think about when we praise God and then say something not good to someone around us, you know where I think that is experienced most frequently for people? 
It's when they go to church on Sunday morning, right? When, uh, when they're headed to church and things didn't go quite right, and then you show up and you got to sing songs to Jesus, right? Um, how many of you guys have, have like had one of those frustrating mornings where the kids weren't getting out the door when you asked them to, or your spouse was taking five more minutes than they said they were supposed to. You've been sitting in the car, they're not listening, and then you're driving on the road and you're frustrated about something else. You have a spat with your spouse, and then you show up, you get out the door, and you come in, and immediately you're supposed to sing a worship song to Jesus, right? It just doesn't feel right, right? There's, there's like a fundamental contradiction that we experience when, when we step into that moment, and that's what James is getting vo- voice to. We know this shouldn't be. We feel it in our very being. And, uh, and then he speaks to uh, that fundamental consistency through some illustrations. Let me read it, verse 11 and 12. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? No. Can a grapevine bear frigs? No. Can a salt spring produce fresh water? No. Right? What James is doing is he's really just giving us a simple principle from nature that that he's using to help us see something else. And and, and I would would describe it like this. Uh, The principle is this. A product is consistent with its source. A product is consistent with its source. Uh, To say it in a different way, what something produces is consistent with what that something is, right? We, we make what we are, right? Uh, something is going to create based out of what it is. And conversely, well, this is the point James is making, that you don't expect something to be different than what it came from, right? You have an expectation that a fig tree is going to bear what? Figs. And a grapevine, grapes. And from a saltwater spring, you're never going to get fresh water, right? We know this. You know that if you go to McDonald's, you don't ever expect to eat McHealth food, right? Because that's not, that's, it's the, the product's consistent, not consistent with its source. And when they tried to service oatmeal years ago, we all got suspicious, right? Uh, but you all get the idea, right? A product is consistent with its source. And what James is trying to get us to see with this principle is that actually this carries over to our words and our lives, Right? Uh, a person speaks largely out of who they are and what's going on in their hearts and their minds and their life. To put it as clearly as I can, as I titled this message this morning, your mouth speaks on behalf of your heart. That, that, that's what James is telling us. Your mouth speaks on behalf of your heart. What your heart is feeling, thinking, your mouth is, is going to end up giving voice to in one way or another. And let me tell you guys, this isn't the first time that actually we've seen this uh, taught to us in the Bible. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, heard his brother say it. Uh, it comes to us in Luke chapter 6, where James, Jesus says, says this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Then Jesus says this, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, right? As some translation says, I, I learned this, uh, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So, so you see the principle? The, 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 the mouth speaks on behalf of your heart. If there are good things that are going on in here, 
there's going to be good things that are coming out of here, right? If, if there are places that need work in here, there's going to be things that fall short in what we say here, right? Our, our mouth speaks on behalf of our hearts. And, and really, when I think about how this practically plays out, one of the, the best ways we can apply this to our lives is to realize is that when we hear ourselves saying things that, that fall short, that aren't quite there, what that should tell us is we've got some work to do in here. You know, I had a, a few couple of friends years ago who um, I loved. They were good friends of mine. And uh, they got sideways with one another, um, which is never fun. I don't know if you've ever had a mute, mute been in that middle spot, right, where two friends were upset at one another. But what happened was... Uh, one of these friends just really got bitter and angry towards the other one. And, and he just ended up being like relentlessly critical. Um, and, and, and over and over again, he, he just would find negative things to, to say. Uh, if this person, if, one, if this one friend was for it, he would find himself now against it, right? If this one friend had a win, right, he would find some way to cri criticize it. If I, I, I even felt like if he gave him $1,000, this guy would still find fault in, in what happened. And, uh, and what I ended up doing with that friend, um, probably because I'm a pastor and a friend, but I ended up having a conversation with him that was tough, that he needed to have. I said, dude, you are not get, giving this up, right? When are you going to choose to let go of your bitterness and your anger and start to say something better? When are you going to recognize that, that, that your, your heart is hardened right now? And, uh, and it helps. And, and let me tell you guys, uh, when we hear ourselves giving voice to things that are negative, that are relentlessly critical, and we just can't turn it, what we need to do is recognize that there's something going on in our heart and ask ourselves the question, what's going on in my heart, right? What, what is happening in my heart that this is how I am speaking? It's a gift uh, to be able to ask that question and think through it. And if you can find out what's going on in your heart, if you're mad, sad, frustrated, hurt, disappointed, what is it? If you identify it and you name it, that loses power over you. And once, once you name it, right, then you can, you can deal with it. You can do the critical step of offering it to God, right? And if you offer it to God, God can do something with it. And when God does something with it, you can experience healing. And when you experience healing, you don't have to have the bitterness and the anger steal the joy and happiness that, you're, that, that God created us to live with. Right? And, and, and that's just, I just think that all of us whose hearts so quickly, easily get angry and bitter need to hear his words. Because it's grace that we'll have the self-awareness to ask the question. And God's grace can help us move on and heal. Amen. All right. Uh, from here, James actually continues his conversation on the words that come out of our mouth. But he comes at it in a different way by asking uh, a question. He says this, chapter uh, 3, 13, who is wise and understanding among you? It almost feels like a new thought because he stops and he says, who's wise and understanding among you? And this is a really important question, actually. It's asked in more than one place in the Bible. But James is saying, how do we determine and assess wisdom in a person? What is it that we look for when we're trying to discern whether or not a person is wise? 
And I want to actually focus this a little more because James has something even more specific in mind. Notice that he says, who is wise and understanding? And then he adds, among you. So this isn't a general question out there. He's actually saying, speaking to the church that he's writing to, and, and saying, in the church, among you, how do we look for and discern who's, wis- who, who's got wisdom? Who, who, who do we want to listen to, right? Whose words should we give weight to? And, um, and uh, you, you know, if we had time, the, the, there could be a series on biblical wisdom. There are so many things to talk about, so many distinctions. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. There's a difference between status and wisdom. There's a between power and wisdom. There's a difference between the way the, the world looks at wisdom and the way God sees wisdom. But what James does here is he offers us one thing to look at as, as, a, as a defining marker of wisdom. And he says this, he answers his own question in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. So who's wise and understanding? Uh, the person who shows it with their good life. The person who gives evidence of it by deeds that are done in humility. Deeds done in humility. That is a a phrase that really sticks out to me. What does that mean? Deeds done in humility. Think about that. Who is a person that's wise and has deeds done in humility? What comes to mind for you? A person who, who does deeds in humility. You know, actually, when I thought about this, uh, there were very specific people that came to mind, uh, especially in the church. And these were people that um, showed up, that are usually present, that are there, supportive. They come asking to serve, not looking to be served. They come wanting to contribute, to, to help out in any way, to do what they can. And, um, and they do deeds, and there's a humility about them. Usually what I find is a lot of these folks don't feel the need to talk, don't feel the need to say much. They just show up and do what they can. Uh, I bet you can think of these people in, in your life. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's not that, actually I think about some of these folks, and it's not that they didn't have really good insight and things to say. In fact, oftentimes when they spoke, everybody listened because we wanted to hear what they had to say right? But, but there was this lack of a need to talk or be heard and, and a willingness just to let other people speak, right? And, and, and there's this definition of humility that uh, I think is excellent. It's probably the best definition of humility that I know. And, and, and it says this, uh, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less, right? And so from this position of thinking of yourself less. Deeds done in humility, that person comes to serve. They, they, they come to, to give what they can. They embody what James is saying here, and, and that they, they, they do what they can, and there's wisdom there, and we should count them as wise. Uh, that, that's what James is identifying here. And, and then he, from there, goes on to talk about what, what, what is not wisdom, right? He's, he's going to offer a contrast in the next few verses. And he says this, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, 
there you find disorder in every evil practice. And so, so I'm not going to spend too much time here, but did you hear the words that we've already talked about? Bitterness, selfish ambition, right? And what James is saying is that's going to come out in the way people talk and the deeds that follow after them, right? The, the person who makes big boasts, he says. How do we boast? With our mouth, right? The person who denies the truth. How do you deny the truth? With your mouth, right? And, and, and what he's saying is if you can see disorder and disruption behind this person, they're not wise. Don't listen to them. Those are not things that we ought to follow and lead. And remember, James is, last week he's been talking about who should teach, who should be wise among you, who should be counting wise. This is his whole idea. And he's saying, look at the fruits of their lives, look at the fruits of their words, right? And then I, I really appreciate how he finishes up here uh, in, in verses 17 and 18. You all know uh, in Galatians 5, some of you may know, there's something called the fruits of the Spirit, right? Peace, joy, love, patience, kindness. And what Paul does in that passage, he says, if the Holy Spirit is at work in a person's life, here are the fruits that we'll be able to see. Well, I think what James does here in the next few verses is he says, if, if a person is wise in their words, if, if there is a humility that comes from heaven that's working in their heart, these are the characteristics of the things that will follow what they say. And he says it in verses 17 and 18, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And he finishes, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. You know, and so what, is, what do those things mean? You can actually go through each one of those characteristics and think about what is speech, godly wisdom, speech that shows godly wisdom look like in each of those, each of those places. So what does pure speech look like? But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. What does he mean by that? You know, uh, this last week, Shannon was um, at the playground with our kids, <clears throat> and there were a couple of teenagers there, a guy and a girl, a little older, and they, they were uh, right next to Shannon and my daughter, Jordan, and uh, she, the girl, knocked over the cup of uh, the boy, and immediately the boy looked at her and spat, spat back. You know, why the, did you do that? Um, he cursed, just to be clear. And um, <laughs> I'm not saying that word, right? Uh, <coughs> he, uh, he cursed, and um, you know, I know that they weren't trying to hurt anybody. There's no intentional harm from those teenagers to my kids, and I also don't want you to hear me say a curse word is the worst kind of sin ever. I do not think that, okay? But um, here, when, when I think about speech that is pure, you know what the last thing is that comes to mind? Im impure, foul language. It's, it's cursing. It's when it's like the person that you've been around that unnecessarily curses all the time. It's the opposite of pure. And here in what James is saying, the root of pure is the same root word of the word holy. And holy means to be set apart, to be different. And, and if we, uh, if you've ever been in that situation where you have kids or somebody else's kids uh, and somebody is cursing around them, what's the first thing you want to do? Cover their ears, man. You don't want them hearing that stuff. And I think what James is saying is let your speech never be such that, that people would have to cover their ears around it, right? That, 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 uh, that, that, that would be marked as impure, that would be foul right? Our speech should be set apart. It should be different. 
That's the first thing that I think he's saying. Secondly, he says peace-loving. What does it mean for our speech to be peace-loving? You know, the, the image that actually comes to mind here, kind of shared something similar last week, but it's when you've, you're walking in like a public place, and um, I know you guys have done this, probably more this is a man thing than a woman thing, but you're walking and you accidentally like bump shoulders with somebody right in a hallway or something, and that dude will turn around and be like, what? You know, like you intended to do it on purpose or something, and they'll be, they'll be looking to pick, pick a fight. And, uh, man, <laughs> that is so irritating to me um, when people do that. Like, I intentionally tried to hit you on the shoulder, you know, but, but here you are with a chip on your shoulder trying to pick a fight. And last week we talked about how the word humility, how the root of it is a lifting up of the neck, you know, like a desire to get back at somebody. Uh, Peace-loving speech goes the opposite direction, right? If that fool is going to act like a fool, don't equal his foolishness. That's peace-loving speech. Hold your tongue. So often wisdom with our words is not saying anything at all. Uh, and, and, and I think that's what James has in mind here. How can our, our speech de-escalate situations, cause reconciliation to happen in people that, that we know, right? Um, considerate. That's the next one he goes. What does considerate speech looks like? You know, uh, here's what com- comes to mind. I think this is a really important one. It's that we think not about just what we're going to say, but how other people are going to receive what, what we're going to say, right? To not just think about you getting to say what you want, but to think about how is this person going to hear what I'm going to say. That's what it means to be considerate, to consider other people. And, uh, and, and you know, one of the places where... <laughs> especially my generation, and I'm like a sort of millennial thing, uh, is uh, we were taught to deconstruct everything. We give criticism to everything. And I think one of the places that we could learn is to learn how to be more thoughtful in the criticisms that we give. It's easy to tear down a house. It's a lot different to build a new one, to build somebody up. And, And what we need to do is think, how is this person going to receive this thing that I have to say, even if it's trying to be constructive, right? They may not be in a place where they can do anything about it, right? They, they may have a lot else going on. They may not need to hear it, right? And, and I think that wisdom, godly wisdom that comes from above, is trying to recognize that and be considerate of it. You know, there's a list here that we could go through each one. If you get it some time on your own, I would, I would encourage you to look at what it means to have submissive speech, full of mercy and good fruit speech, impartial speech, sincere speech. But I want to throw one uh, challenge out there to you uh, based on an based on a th- idea that comes to me reading this passage. The movement that James is talking about is from here to here, right? What's in our heart comes out our mouth, right? Um, here's, here's my hunch. What, what happens if we reverse it? So, like, what if instead of saying negative things, we swallow that negative thing that we were going to say, and instead we choose to say a positive thing? What is that going to do to our hearts, right? Here's, here's, here's what I think is going to happen. It's going to help us heal. It's going to help us see the world in a, in a more wonderful, positive, pot- potential uh, 
earthbound world life. Like, I think that this is how God sees the world. And instead of uh, saying those things, like somebody cuts you off on the freeway, and instead of going, whatever curse word of your choice you're about to say, right? You don't say it, and you say, I've been there before. I've done that to other people. I pray they get where they need to go on time, right? I pray that they're safe in the way that they drive, right? Uh, Here's what I think can happen. If we choose to not say the negative things, we can really reframe the way we experience life, and we will have our hearts healed and freed from the critical negative stuff that so often entangles who we are. Let me just share one last illustration to kind of bring this home. Uh, I, those friends that I ref- referenced earlier that got sideways with each other, they, they were actually two brothers and uh, very close friends of mine. And um, they, they were in a spat. It was like two years. And uh, when I had a conversation with, with one who, who actually I'm closer to about what was going on in his, his heart, you know, thankfully he heard me, and uh, he, he did some work, and, and their dad was actually dying. He had colon cancer and was on his way to, um, to pass, and, and th- they still had not reconciled, and their dad was, was in the hospital on his deathbed. He, he did not come out of the hospital, and he knew his two sons were upset at each other. And one of the brothers said something, and my, my, my other friend chose not to let the bitterness and anger get him there, but chose to instead uh, thank his brother and bless his brother. And right in front of their dad, days before he passed away, these two brothers reconciled because one chose to, to speak life to the other. Let me just say, that's the kind of thing and the impact that I think choosing to say to speak life can have in our lives. And that's the kind of thing that God wants to do. And I just pray that if we hear ourselves, we would see our hearts, that we would let God do it and speak life into our lives and the world around us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love that you pour out on our lives. I thank you for the words of hope and peace and hope and peace and forgiveness that you speak over us. Lord, and I pray that as we search our hearts and we listen with our ears to our hearts through our mouths, that you would work on us, that you would help us see and understand ourselves, Lord, and that you would free us from the anger and the hurt and the bitterness, and you would let us step into your, your new abundant horizons in your life. Lord, I pray that over every single person here. And if your spirit is speaking to someone today, I pray that they would respond. In your name, we we ask these things, Jesus. Amen.